Welcome to Shine Time, the podcast where we come together to expand our potential and achieve greatness. I am your host, Jennifer Bovey, and I couldn't be more excited to embark on this enriching journey with you. Each episode will dive into the stories of remarkable individuals who have overcome challenges, conquered their fears, and emerged as shining examples of what is possible. So get ready to be inspired, motivated, and empowered as we explore the power of collaboration, the strength of community, and the limitless potential that lies within each and every one of us. Welcome back to the Shine Time podcast. Today, my guest is Jason Gelfuso. Can you introduce yourself, please? I am Jason Gelfuso. I'm here as Jen's guest. Thank you, Jason, for being here today. I'm really excited to dive in with you. Uh, you and I have basically just met recently, but have kind of a past history of knowing each other with friends and family members and stuff like that. Exactly. So yep. it's been really great to get to know you over the last couple of months, and I'm excited for you to be on the podcast today. So Absolutely. welcome officially. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So Jason, I sent a couple of questions ahead of time, and I hope that you and I could kind of just have a conversation today and really just share with our audience a little bit about you, what drives you to be who you are. I know that you're a dad of two, and you have a phenomenal business of real estate and investment. So we'd love to share with everybody a little bit about who you are and what drives you. Sure. So I'm Jason Gelfuso again. Um Realtor, investor, most importantly, a father and a, and a husband. Uh, family is everything to me. And I, I think that being present with my kids and, and with their sports, that's what really motivates me. Um, so real estate is giving the flexibility to be able to do that with them. So I coach basketball and baseball with them all year round. And um, I tie that in with my investment portfolio and my um, real estate um, business. So Jason, tell me a little bit, why did you end up getting your real estate license? Working 20 plus years or so for somebody else, I uh, decided I was all done working for somebody else. And I wanted to work for myself. And my wife actually just said when I was done working, she said, why don't you get your real estate license? Because you like watching it on TV and it's easy and fun. And um, it's nothing like on TV, but it's certainly fun. And it certainly afforded me a lot of um, free time, if you will. Right. So yeah. what year did you get your real estate license in? 2015. So since 2015, tell us a little bit about what your business looks like. So 2015 was licensed in April or May or so. And literally, I just sat there and said, give me business. And nobody gave me business. So I had to go out and get it myself. And literally, um, people in my, my previous office wanted me to do um, open houses. I did them. They were lazy and didn't want their own buyers. I took them. Um, no one gave me a listing, of course. They don't do that. But um, I worked the buyers I had, closed them out. They became listings. Their referrals became listings and buyers. And um, I kind of hit the ground running. My first full year, I did three and a half million in sales, which is pretty good. Second year, four and a half million. Third year, 8.9 million. Followed by eight and a half million. COVID was beautiful, uh, 13.2 <laughs> million. Yeah. Um, and I've always maintained 10 million and above until now. Um, and you know, I'm on pace to do probably nine to 10 million this year again. That's great. And that's one of the reasons why I, I really wanted you to come on the podcast is because in such a short period of time, you've been able to really grow a business that has sustained really well during a lot of different factors in the business from COVID and, you know, now with different interest rates and the way it's going and, yeah. and you really are, you know, holding your ground and growing that, and you're doing that all 
without really doing a lot in your business. Yeah. So what does your day-to-day look like and how does that business come to you? Listen, you don't want to know my day-to-day business. (laughs) You you don't. (laughs) I'll be honest. I mean, I have days where I could be on the couch, you know, get out of bed on the couch and just working from home. And what does that look like? Like if you were to tell somebody else like, Hey, you know what, if, if this is what you want to do and this is, you know, calling people all day long is not your thing yet getting businesses. This is, this is what you do. Yeah. So forget about sitting on the couch at home or or going to an office or anything. Um, The day-to-day business is something that is very complex. I guess you could say it's, there's no, there's no recipe. There's no secret sauce. There's no do this, do that. It's just, be in the moment and do kind of the moment, you know, and uh, literally I've been home, never left the house. And, and I've charged my phone twice and during the course of a day, because I've been on the phone, um, emails, everything you can do for real estate, <clears throat> excuse me, um, on zoom calls, trying to better my business, you know, and um, all from the comfort of my home. But I've had days where I've left six o'clock in the morning and come home at 10 o'clock at night. So those are few and far between, but they happen. And, uh, I think it's just one of those things where it's every day is a new adventure. That's what I like about it. And every client you meet is a new person. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so that's my take on it you yeah. know, without going into too much detail. Yeah, of course. So tell me a little bit about your investments. So I know that you play a big role in doing real estate and you're an investor on the side as well. Does in, being an investor help with your real estate sure. business and vice versa? How does that work? Absolutely. So um you know, only multifamilies, um, selling multifamilies, everything about it, it gives you a different perspective. So being a landlord and, and owning multifamilies, you can tell someone what you've gone through, good, bad, and the ugly. And there's a lot of bad, a lot of ugly, there's a lot of good as well. Uh, I bought a, my first multifamily I bought in 2018. I still live there now. It's a um, two raised ranch on one lot in Rehoboth, Mass., my primary residence, but we're on three acres of land. So it's not your, your average uh, multifamily. We rent out one side, we live on the other side and we love it. And we have a great yard and everything else. Back in 2020, COVID hits. And um, everyone told me, I mean, everybody told me, what are you doing? I bought a four unit West Warwick. And um, closed in April, mid-March, the whole world shut down. Under contract, had to buy it. So I went and bought it. Um, that was a great one. Um, tenants paid all the time, never any major issues. Um, the best thing was when they called me during COVID and said, I heard you don't have to pay rent anymore. <laughs> and I said, hey, I said, call the bank. The banks don't have to pay the, pay the mortgage either. Then you're free. If not, you're going to pay it. So, um, you know, that, that was the easy part to get through that one. You know, then um, I sold that property two years later, um, made a chunk of money on that one because... That's what we do. We buy and sell and make money on it. In the meantime, 2020, myself and my partner, we bought our first flip. And I think we're on number nine or 10 now. Wow. Um, in that time frame. And um, we still have one right now that we're working on and we're almost done with it. And that should be sold very shortly as well. We look every day for new ones, but you know, if the deal's not right, the deal's not right. We don't buy it. So w- when you're looking at flips, what what makes it right for you what's like the exciting portion you're like that's the next flip we're going to get into so the biggest misconception when you when you buy a sell a flip is you make the money not when you sell it you make the money when you buy it so if you can buy it for x amount of dollars and put y into it for 
for repairs and you can sell them for Z. And as long as Z equals, Z equals, um, Z is, as long as Z is greater than, than X plus Y, right. there's profit there. But there's a lot of other things you have to worry about in between, you know, commissions, you have to pay out to the buyer side, um, you know, carrying costs, if you have carrying costs, stuff like that. So contingencies in the, in the event. So if you have a budget of $50,000 and the budget goes up to $100,000, if you don't have a $50,000 spread there, you'll lose the money. That's how you look at it. Yeah. So the deal to us is, you know, I look at it quick and say, this will going to take us X amount of dollars, X amount of time. And where profit should be around here. You know, if we, if we target 40,000 plus as a target, we know that that's a good number. If we want to be around the 60 to 70,000 mark, I was working a partner, by the yes. way. Um, and um, sometimes the margin shrinks. You make 20,000. Well, the next one, sell it on the next one, you know, that's it. So um, we only got hurt once and it wasn't a big deal. It was this year. And we actually carried a hard money loan. That's why. So you got creative when trying to really figure out yeah. how to do the next one or how to carry the cost. We had four going out once. That was wow. the next problem. So wow. money gets tied up fast. Yeah. And now you had to carry it with the hard money, this one. And instead of being done in six months, it took a year. <laughs> and that year was a lot of carrying cost. And the budget went from, I believe, 120000 to 210000 Oh, wow. Well. That changes so, a lot of things. Yeah, that killed everything. Right. Yeah. But because you had so many other ones in the pipeline or that you're working on, yep. it, it kind of was a wash or was we, it as Yeah, we closed one out a week, um, two weeks before this one. And we said that we'll blend the two together yep. and it was a wash. So yep. that was a win for us. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you so. were talking to somebody who is just starting to think about doing some flip opportunities, what's the first piece of advice you would give them? Scared money don't make money. And what that means is that you can't be hesitant to to run your numbers and, and double check them six, seven times. When you do that, the deal already goes away. It's already gone. But you also want to jump into it just to buy a deal and, and, and make it work because it's not going to work most likely. In this market nowadays, I mean, the deals are few and far between. You know, that's the biggest thing. So you have to buy it right, renovate it right, and sell it right. And doing all three of those in this market is kind of challenging, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, so if you find something off market, that might be a better option because you can take a little longer to, to crunch numbers on it. Um, so you don't have a lot of competition. Um, have your contractors lined up. So if they're not lined up, they're not showing up. I so guess if we could go there, what, um, how did you line your contractors up? Like who did you know that could handle the projects that you were looking at taking on? So the first one we did, um, we had a painter, we had a handyman, we had another contractor, <laughs> we had a cabinet vendor, Granite guy. We had all, all the all the big pieces, electrician, um, and the plumber was one piece that was missing for that one. And then um Wait, when you had them, that was people you knew. We knew them and we knew we already had conversations that when we purchased the property, we need your help. Yep, gotcha. we're on board. Here you go. Gotcha. And um the first one took, I believe it was five months. Um, and we closed that. I'm sorry, we closed it in five, six months. And we were done in in uh, four and a half, five months, yeah. And um we learned a lot there. We learned that time, time cuts in your profit very quickly. Uh, a lot of days that there's no one on the job site that cuts the profit as well. Um, and the next one that we did, we didn't let the same things happen that the first one did. And um, unfortunately, we ended up having four products going on at once. So they can't all be in the same job site at once either. So guys don't work out. You bring new guys in, but you always have to have a 
reliable group of guys to go in there or people to go in there and do the work. So, so what I heard you saying is if, if this is like your first time getting into a flip one, make sure somebody kind of checks the numbers with you to see what those margins look yep. like to make sure you have the people lined up to do the work with you and they understand and kind of be really involved in sure. the project with you to say, Hey, listen, if we keep this at this budget, you know, one, you're getting paid faster because we could sell it faster. Sure. It, it, do you pay them at time of work or at time of closing? Most of them get paid at the end. At the end. But it's all done. Excellent. But during the process, you know, some want to get paid up front portion. Some want to get paid weekly. Some want to get paid for materials quickly and they'll take the money at the end. So it all depends who they are. So you want to have those conversations up front. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. Excellent. I love that. So kind of switching gears a little bit, sure. but do you have a mentor or somebody of influence to you that has kind of led you down this path or to who you are and how you operate your business? Yeah. So my first uh, brokerage I worked for was Williams and Stewart Real Estate. Yes. Paul Zarella and Sue Rolls. You know them both very I well. Do. Yes. Um, Sue was like a mom to me um, when I worked there. She was uh, always looking out for me. And she always uh, made sure that, you know, we had, we had business type thing, you know, and her and Paul were very accessible. They were, if you made a phone call to them, have an issue or something going on, they'll answer the phone and they'll, they'll answer your questions for you as well. So I'd say the two of them are both my mentors in different aspects where Sue would be very serious. Paul would be very jokingly, <laughs> uh, but you get the same answer and you get the the same professionalism from both of them as well. Right. So I'd say the two of them would be, would be them. However, um, in this business, I've come across many people who I can call and who've been around the business for a while and, you know, they've been great. So it's not just because they're on different, they wear different colors, they on different teams, they're on different companies. We're all, we're all one big team here. And, and I see the roles reversing now for me that I get phone calls from people. Hey, listen, I have an opportunity to go somewhere else. What do you think? Why are you calling me? Well, I trust your opinion. I value what you have to say. And I, and I really want, you know, to know if you think it's a good fit. I had a guy call me last week um, and he moved on to another company because of what I said. Ah, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So with the current trends in the, in the local real estate market that you see, uh, what would you give advice to somebody looking to buy or sell in this market? There's always opportunity to buy and to sell. Yes. Um, looking to buy, don't worry about, what your mortgage payment is going to be. Don't worry about the sale price going to be. Worry about if you can pay the mortgage or not. So getting back to that number again, if it doesn't matter if you can afford a, a million dollar home, if that million dollar home payment you're going to pay is not what you want to pay, then don't buy that million dollar home. Um, so be comfortable with the mortgage payment per month all in. And if you're selling, the buyers are still out there plenty. You know, if you're selling multifamily because you want to, diversify if you want to just cash out finally if you're selling a, a single family because it's it's an inherited property whatever it is um just get it in in good light if you will you know so that means that just make sure it's 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 going to show well you know and you're still going to get top dollar for it so you're saying if you go to a seller today and say and they want to list their house what if they want to list it for for you know the top dollar in this market maybe above top dollar what what do we recommend at this point me personally i just i kind of had that conversation up front say hey you know if you want to get top dollar i need you to do x y and z um if you do x and y and not z we can ask top dollar for it but you're not going to get it most likely uh if you do x y and z you know that number is not far off you're going you're to get it most likely um 
So it depends on the strategy. <clears throat> depends on the strategy of the seller. If the seller says, um, I have no money to put into a property, oh, I can't do it, take it as is, then you have to work with that. But they have to be realistic and realize that the money not be plentiful as well. Now, if they have money to put into it and they're willing to put into it, and they put X, Y, and Z into it, we better make sure we perform and make sure we can get that number for them, market it properly, you know, be strategic with, with the offers, you know, and, and make sure that we, we, you know, vet everyone to the fullest. We get to the closing table to that top dollar, you know. So what about for the buyer side, the buyers are saying, you know what, these interest rates are just, you know, creeping up a little too high for my taste. How, how can you advise somebody on that? Um, I think it's one of those things, again, that's defer to lender. You know, hey, have a conversation with your lender. Make sure you're comfortable with your mortgage payment per month um, going forward. Um, some buyers are paying all cash for a property because they have the cash, they have the, the the funds there. And they might say, well, I don't want to overpay for a property because I don't feel it's worth it. When you pay all cash for it, the appraisal is thrown out the window. Who really cares? But if they really want the property, you're going to pay for it. The, the numbers are still there because the inventory always low. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. But I always say to the buyers, this is what's worked for me at least, is that what's your five-year or 10-year plan? If they say, hey, I, I'm going to be out of here in five years, my response is that don't sell it. Don't don't buy it. So if you're going to buy it and want to be out in five years, you're going to be upset out. There's no if and buts about it. Uh, if you're going to be here for 10 years or more, then buy it. Don't worry about it. It's going to appreciate enough where you're good to go there. You'll have an extra strategy at that point. Um, now, if they say that they, they're a two-year plan, then don't be buying unless you're buying a multifamily. You know, because if the strategy is just to, to buy because I want to have some, I'm sick of renting. The end, so result, your, the end your, result will be great. Yeah. So your strategy of buying a multifamily, if, if you have a two-year plan, is what? Um, you can buy it right, first of all. So you have to buy it buy it where, where the rents are below market value. Hopefully, you can buy it, the property below market value, put some elbow grease into it, raise the rents up to market value or above, you know, if you can. That way, when you're there for two years or so and you want to sell it, you have a better product to sell because you renovated it, you put some money into it, and you have tenants in place there who are paying top rents. So it's more appealing to a buyer at that point. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. I, was, I wasn't sure if you were going to say, you know, you buy that as your first investment piece and then use that to hold, right? Always and, buy, always buy an investment property. Absolutely, right, yeah, right, yeah. 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 Okay. So if that's if they're looking to to buy as a as a buyer, I would always recommend go to a multifamily first. Right. Absolutely, you have some cash flow. Right, interesting. There's zero money made in a multifamily on a two unit though. Right, three or four units or more. Right. Well, what about what if somebody doesn't have the the big down payment for an investment property? What do you do there? There's in different areas. There's there's grants. I mean, you have to dig deep. Right, ask lenders who know about that kind of stuff all the towns and find out what grants are available. Um, most importantly, um, save money <laughs> if you can. But um, not even that, they're, they're available. I mean, there's programs out there. You can buy something, no money down. USDA loans, uh, VA loans, um, FHA loans, you can get down payment assistance. So they're out there. You have to qualify for them. But um, if if money's a challenge for people, they can go out there and ask ask the questions and they're going to they're gonna find what they need. Most, most likely. Those are a lot of acronyms, but if you're looking for more information on that, we could give that to you in the comments of the podcast. Um, okay, so tell me, how do you stay up to date with the changes that are happening in our world of real estate? Um, you can't be blind to, you have to read. You, know, you have to read um, and uh, ask questions and talk to the people who have more experience than you. 
those are the ones who, for the most part, have the knowledge and they have the answers for you regarding what's happening because they've been through it. Yeah. You know, and I love that you talk to someone who's been around for 20 years and, um, hey, I've been through the, the dips and then the, the good times and bad times. There's been more bad times than good times. And they just say, sit back, relax, and, you know, and, and don't go too crazy and you'll make it through it, you know. Um, it's scary times. It really is, you know, to be in, in this world right now. Um, but I think we're going to get through it. And I think that, um, I know I'm kind of avoiding the, avoiding the answer, but it's one of those things where it's, uh, it's, it's different for sure. I've only been around for eight years. I haven't seen too many bad things. I've seen only really good things. Right. So this is a new challenge for me. Um, well, it sounds we'll like see. if you just stay the course and yeah. you double down or put your head down and, and just look at what what's around you, I think it's there, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you put the work in, you're going to get the results from it. Right, right. Uh, that's the key, though, is actually getting, find the foundation and put the work in. If you don't have the foundation to start with, you're just dangling. You're not doing it anyway. Get the foundation, lay it down solid, and then work off that, and you can be successful. It'll be fun. Very good advice. All right. So I think this is going to be the last question that I'm going to ask you for your like favorite real estate story that you have. So start thinking about that. It's not really a favorite, but scary. But it's All right. going. A funny one? No, no. Dangerous. But... Oh, okay. All right. We'll, we'll get there. What I think you said earlier that there was no secret sauce. If there was a secret sauce yeah. to success, what would it be? Everyone's different. Um, I have no problem telling you what I did. I faked it so I made it. And people are like, what'd you do? I was that person who, by the way, who I hate now, those people, but I did it. I went and friend request everybody on Facebook. I just, I utilized Facebook for what it was. Friend request to everybody in the, in the industry went from like 30, uh, 350 people, friends to like 3,000 to 4,000. And I just watched what they did. If somebody sold a house, I shared it. I just said, congratulations to Warwick's newest homeowners, whatever it was. Never once said it was my buyers, but just said congrats to them. And people saw that it was my business. They were like, oh, you're killing it. I was like, my pockets are empty. I'm not killing anything at all. But I said, I'm on to something now. And I kept doing it more and more and more. And then I just kept saying that every time I was, I was somewhere, I just try to give some piece of knowledge. If I'm doing an inspection of a house, you know, I wasn't saying... At an inspection, here we go, have fun. But I was like, here's what I learned today at this inspection. So I was always doing something, showing something on Facebook that was related to the business. And then I closed out my first full year in real estate, nine deals alone from Facebook. That, that's probably unheard of, right? That's amazing. Um, it was people from high school I went to high school with. Um, and they were the ones who were buying and selling. So it was, it was like double in a deal on those things. But I was at the age there where my group of people I went to high school with were at the point the upsize their houses now. So I, I was at an advantage there already. Um, and then when I was going really well, I went back and deleted everything I had. So it'll come back to me and say, oh, what did you do? And, and you cheated or whatever. I'm nothing you cheated, but I went and deleted stuff from Facebook. So there was no one go back and check it out and, and verify that story because it doesn't exist. You know, that was just my way of saying it's clear and I, I can go forward now. But that, that was my thing. I, I faked this, I made it. I just, I just kind of, had the image that I was doing a lot of business, but I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that leveraged me into getting more business. Right. That makes sense. It does. Yeah. So, it, you know, what's funny about that, Jason, is that when I got into the business in 2001, Facebook did not exist, exist. <laughs> uh, yet. Uh, I was lucky. I worked at Allie's Donuts 
wow. in the morning from 4 a.m. until 12 p.m. Uh, just to pay the bills and get going. Right, yeah. I was 22 years old and um, I knew I wanted to do real estate. So I left the corporate job at Fleet Bank and then did this at, at Ali's Donuts. Fleet just, Bank. Yeah. Now you date yourself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes, I am. Uh, so anyway, what's funny is that I had two listings pretty early on in my uh career, right? So it's from Allie's Donuts too. One was a baker there and then one was uh, I think a person oh no, it was one my friend's dad. So um those two listings, one was on North Quinnesset Road yep. and one was on Tower Hill Road. Okay. So in North Kingstown, those are two well traveled sure. Road. So every time someone would come into Allie's Donuts, like your signs are everywhere. everywhere. Yep. And it really is a perception yep. thing of people see That's the key that you're saying. everywhere. And they, they, you know, they really want to do business with people who are doing yep. well. Right. So it's funny that even though I didn't have Facebook back then, still a, same yeah. thing, right? Perception. Yep. Um, awesome. All right. So wrapping us up here, it's been great, by the way. Um, all right, so let's end this off on like a good, good note. Here. A good note. Give give me a, a personal story that's good. Maybe something that real estate has helped do for your family or or something um, that is a really good story that you could share with us. Talk about a spot now, huh? Yes. I don't know. Um... Well, you know, you talked about your boys and that you like to be at football practice with them you and, and yep. you're able to do stuff like that. So. so I think that, you know, working a corporate job, as you know, you know, my, my old corporate job was like six to three. So <laughs> three o'clock in the afternoon, I was done. I was exhausted at four o'clock. I couldn't do anything anyway. And my oldest son really didn't have the, the, the more time I spent with him after school because I was always tired. Uh, but real estate now, I'm able to be with my younger son on the basketball court, every practice, every game. Um, and baseball as well on the field, practice every practice, every game on there. I've maybe missed three games because I was away or something. So I'm always with with him. My oldest son's playing baseball now, and I, I try to get to every game. He's there as well. If I can't, my wife's always there anyway. But if if she can't, whatever, someone's always there. Um, so it's afforded me the, the time freedom to be able to be with my family and be present at the moment. And, and that's the biggest thing I think that the corporate world doesn't afford that. Um, it really affords you working for someone else and they dictate what life is like. Right. You know, in real estate, you can dictate yourself what it's like. You can block it for your own time. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the biggest thing for me was when I started blocking my own time, my business jumped. And that was a Paul's relative again, too. He just said time block. And I was like, you're nuts. If someone called me, I'm going to show a house. I don't care. But now if you call me and I'm, I could be home, you know, I'm not leaving the house. And I'll say, I have, a, I, have a, I have an hour in my schedule tomorrow between one and two. Does that work for you? Most times it's going to say yes, because no, I'll query right back. Now I know I can show them that right now, then and there. But I choose not to, or I choose to, depending on what's going to happen. So it's, so it's, it's helped time, you. Time freedom, I think, yeah. is the biggest thing for me. And, and, and the misconception is that, oh, you have all the time in the world. Because no, you don't. But you can make the time. Right. And you can make the time and, and be present for everything else. Well, Jason, I really appreciate it. No, thank you. And uh, really excited. You, maybe later on you could come back on the show sure. uh, next few months or so and come back with some more real estate success stories for us but thank you so much for coming on today and uh we will be on next time thank you guys thanks for being here